welcome to the bookstore. It's like a book club, but we actually read the book. I'm Becca. And I am Corinne. And this week's episode is dedicated to our newest Patreon patron, Tiana. Thank you, Tiana, for becoming a, a Patreon patron. Um, welcome to the exclusive club of people who help us keep the ship running. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we hope you enjoy all, you know, the, the exclusives over there. Um, we appreciate you so much. Thank you. Um, moving on. It's it's February now. Mm-hmm. And it is actually February. Sometimes we have to record these before the month and I kind of forget what's going on. But it <laughs> is February and that means that the Bookstore Challenge prompt for this month is new and it is to read a memoir that was written by a writer. Um, so that would be like a memoir by a journalist or a novelist or a songwriter or whatever um or someone who exclusively writes memoirs i guess <laughs> um this episode is the f- first book for that prompt and then our next episode we will be reading becca's pot which is my garden by jamaica kincaid yes um that one may be a little bit difficult to find um mm-hmm. but my library did have a copy of it and um becca has mentioned that it may be coming out in a, a new edition later this year so yes you can look for it in those avenues or the normal way that you may find a used book if that's what you want to read otherwise you can also head over to the storygraph.com and check out the bookstore challenge 2024 there and see what other people have picked for this month's prompt what's next yes. month by the way if you're you know if you're thinking ahead a book with a name in the title this I think we thought of this as a name of a person. Yes. But it could also be maybe a place name. You know, Paris is also a person's name. True. Something like that. Um, But yeah. Famously on Goodreads list, uh, I saw people arguing that Breakfast at Tiffany's should not count because Tiffany's is a place and not a Mm. name. I, I argue would. it's both. So, yeah, yeah, especially since it's named for a person. Anyhow, <laughs> that is what we'll be doing next. And I think that's one of the few that I maybe don't have. Oh, wait, no, I do have something picked out. I I have chosen I, Tichiba, the Black Witch of Salem by oh. um, Maris. Is it Maris? I don't actually know how to pronounce her name. Conde. Yeah, Maurice? I also have actually chosen mine i just realized <laughs> it, it is um bless me ultima by rudolfo anaya i think his name is i don't have it in front of me yeah ultima is the name of his like grandma or something right. the character's grandma in the book so it and that is you know the next month so we're yes. really <laughs> far ahead already anyway <laughs> don't this worry episode. we will <laughs> we will slow down in a couple months <laughs> yeah uh, this episode, um, for book and content warnings, you should always check our show notes. Um, this one, I think specifically in terms of content warnings, um, there is a sexual assault, um, et cetera, uh, religious trauma, other, other things of that nature. Not um, a ton, but enough. And if that is... Uh, you know, difficult for you, then just be forewarned. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, you can check our show notes for other warnings. Spoilers are often unavoidable in the way that we talk about these books. We do try our best to warn you for big ones. Um, but the safest bet is to always just read the book first. So you have been warned. Um, I wrote the description and I don't know how it reads because I wrote it in about three minutes. So I guess I'll... I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I can read it. Okay, I'll go ahead. I'll read it. <laughs> Priest Daddy by Patricia Lockwood was published by Riverhead Books in 2017. Lockwood is a poet and the daughter of a Catholic priest. While Catholic priests cannot get married and take a vow of celibacy in 1980, Pope John Paul II did allow for a path to ordination for married Episcopal ministers who convert to Catholicism. Of the 35,000 or so Catholic priests in the United States, it is estimated that somewhere around 120 of them may be married. None of that was necessarily in the book. But (laughs) But it um, is interesting. (laughs) As the resident Catholic who had no idea that it was possible for a Catholic priest to be married in any way, um, I had to go and do some research. So that's my research. (laughs) (laughs) Priest Daddy mostly follows a period in Lockwood's life when she and her husband move back into the rectory with her parents as her husband recovers from eye surgery. Lockwood's family is, by her estimation, endlessly quotable. Her father is loud, frequently in his underwear, and constantly riffing on guitars. Composed more like essays, the book jumps around to anecdotes about family and faith, 
deeper meditations on religious abuse and what it means to be a writer. So Becca hated this book. We're going to be. I want to start out by saying. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I loved uh, Lockwood's work of fiction after Mm -hmm. that she wrote after Priest Daddy called No One Is Talking About This. I laughed hilariously through the first part. And then the second part was like heartbroken. I was like sobbing. I thought it was amazing. And at first, when I heard about Priest Daddy, I didn't really think it was something that I was going to be interested in. But then after reading No One Is Talking About This, I was like, oh, cool. Now I want to read Priest Daddy. And I'll talk about why. Like, I have different feelings, but... One of them I found really funny and the other one I just didn't find funny. You know, what can you do? (laughs) It's not bad or anything. It's just, yeah, yeah. not funny to me. I I often think that like we should maybe start this, the episodes with like what we, like whether or not we like this book and who we would recommend them to, which we never Mm -hmm. really do because I feel like that would be the best way for people to find out if they want to read the book and then come back and listen to the episode later. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So I'm going to do that right now. I loved this book. I think it would be best for people who really enjoy uh the type of writing of like David Sedaris for example I found it very humorous if you don't understand or like that type of humor uh, sorry not understand if you don't like it (laughs) um if it's not for you then maybe this may not be for you I think that if you're the type of person who likes memoirs that are quite serious and like much more emotional then it might not be for you and I read this book sort of like it was a stand-up comedy set which I tend to like stand-up comedy Becca only likes Eddie Izzard that's (laughs) correct exclusively that is correct (laughs) (laughs) so this was not for her I had no idea what to expect going into this because I'd never read Patricia Lockwood before I knew that you liked the novel um nobody no one is talking about this I do remember that when we were doing our book club that existed before the podcast did that Josh not that Josh not my Josh um uh, mm. suggested reading this and you were like no absolutely not <laughs> I don't re- I don't remember that but because I, do, I I've been will... thinking about this because I'd heard <laughs> people so like it for a long time and I kept thinking well maybe we'll do it for the podcast someday but then I remember oh Becca really didn't want to read that and now I forced you to read it and you didn't like it so <laughs> well it's it's really funny though because what I would say obviously like Liking David Sedaris and liking really absurdist, ridiculous, um, senseless comedy, you can like both of them. You can like all Mm -hmm. of them, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I think no one is talking about this. It really has... I would say more of an edge to the comedy. There's so much more self-awareness. It's very... um, It's very self-deprecating. It's about... The first part of it is essentially like... I mean, it's it's fiction, but it's like pretty clearly auto fiction. Mm-hmm. And it's Lockwood essentially making fun of herself for liking Twitter so much and the desire to make people laugh on Twitter mm-hmm. extended to like a ridiculous, like just completely absurd point. And mm-hmm. that is the kind of thing that I really like. I like snark. I like sarcasm. And I know Sedaris has it. I don't know. It's like hard to explain, I guess. But anyway, what am I getting? So anyway, even if you don't like this, that kind of humor, you'll like, you know, no one is talking about this. But what I want to say is it makes sense because when this book first started getting big, when everybody was talking about it, it was always presented as her dad is so funny. Like, or <laughs> look at her dad. He is such a kook. And one of the things that I can't... I, Whenever people are like, oh, my gosh, you got to meet my dad. He is so funny. My dad just says, like, so many funny things. And then you actually meet the person's dad. And it's just that they, like, they say Target instead of Target. (laughs) And it's like, yes, everybody's dad does that, okay? Like, it's not that funny. (laughs) And that's what I was afraid of, why I didn't want to read, why I was not sure about reading (laughs) this book when it first came out. Yeah, I don't remember getting any of the media about it. I just assumed, because I kind of have this assumption of most memoirs, that they're all deadly serious about some dark, terrible thing that's happened to 
to a person. And I've read a lot of, you know, a number of those types of books. Um, They're very serious, very emotional. And I like some of them, but I have to definitely like be in a mood to read them. It's not Mm -hmm. like it's not the first thing I'm going to reach for. Um, And I know there are people who like that is like their jam. They love reading about people overcoming things. Right. So I kind of Mm -hmm. assumed that this had more of that kind of element to it. And it really doesn't. And one thing you said to me when I texted you and said that I loved this book and you said you didn't. And one thing you said to me was that you were surprised I did because I often complain about with memoir, like entire pages of dialogue being reproduced Mm -hmm. because I don't like it when that happens. But in this case, like I said, I was reading it like a stand up comedy set, I think because of the tone. I went Mm -hmm. into this fully going, this is not a person recreating these faithfully, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is somebody just kind of telling yarns about her family. And so that didn't bother me as much. And then also because, like, her husband said funny things. I say, I think her mom said funny things more often than her dad did. Her dad is a piece of shit. I hate her dad. Yeah. I think, like, you know, that made it a little bit easier it's it's it was kind of easier for me to be like I in a way I feel like this book is being more honest about its understanding of what a memoir is than like a lot of other more serious memoirs <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that makes sense because this book knows that it's not serious I mean like parts of it are parts of it are not but um for some reason like humorous memoirs again like David Sedaris's they do almost ring as more true because it's like very clearly this is like so much told through the lens of somebody who knows that what they're saying is like partially their own invention and what I find with like more serious memoirs is that it's really hard to be like these are remembered to the best of my ability or whatever yeah <laughs> I think there's like yeah. the, the tone of it being so serious makes it hard for me to be like I don't believe that these people are actually saying this <laughs> so, yeah yeah I don't know <laughs> and you know and to be fair too to Lockwood is it's in the book over and over again how she is literally carrying a notebook around mm-hmm. with her and writing down these things yeah and I think like for me too I think maybe I just need to like I just have given up the fight of a memoir should actually be like not embellished no I know (laughs) I mean there's to me it's like there's autofiction just write autofiction but you know it's not people don't want to do that memoirs sell differently to different people than autofiction does you know, I just got to let that go. <laughs> no, and I know. And I, and I think, I mean, it's going to be hard because like if, if humor writing, if comedy like stand up, if that kind of if storytelling isn't your thing, like that's going to be too far of a bridge for you to cross anyway. But I think like for me, it was just so much easier to be like, oh, this is just somebody just just embellishing on stories kind of mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that spoke to me as like somebody who does that <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so that worked for me um and also I like those things so that's that's where it comes from um but aside from that Lockwood is also like I mentioned a poet and I think some of her descriptions are so great and just really fun to read uh how did you yeah how did you like that I, well of? I'll say by the end of it like I liked it a lot more the when it and it I can see how it's constructed and how she um, improved on that when she wrote no one is talking about this because it's very much the first part I don't know if it's exactly halfway is like focused very much on my family is so funny yeah Here's all the funny things my family does. And then it sort of like transitions and it goes much more into more serious stuff. And by the time I got to that part, so by the time I got to the end, I thought, okay, you know, obviously, I mean, I knew she was a good writer. It's not like I ever thought this bad book was bad. But yeah, I really liked um, a lot of her writing. And and again, I don't know if I would have just, if this would have been better for me, maybe on audio with her reading it or seeing it in like a TV show or something like that. Mm-hmm. It just, reading it on the page did feel feel a little bit flat as much as I recognized 
this is a joke. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm supposed to laugh. Um, I want to, f- I, there's this one description particularly that's like, it's, it's so not important, but it is the kind of thing that kind of comes up in different parts. This is about her father teaching, um, how he had taught her and her sister how to swim. And then he takes them to the pool. And the thing that he does is he makes them jump off of the high dive every time they go to the pool, just to kind of recreate his, uh, swimming technique, which was, uh, to just throw them in the deep end, which is like such an old fashioned thing that I think a lot of menly men kind of thought was how to teach people how to swim. But anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she's describing standing at the top of the the high dive. And then um, uh, and then she says this, the plunge down, like all plunges down, was a short segment of infinity. Your heart flew up out of the top of your head and the red silk of it caught and billowed out and you hung from it for a second in the middle of the sky. And I just like I wish I could write kind of images that were anything like approaching that. Um, mm-hmm. And and these kind of things are all over this book. It's um, I don't know. It's just it's really exciting to read something that like nobody else has written before in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, so many images are recycled and become cliche. But um, it, it, this was like maybe I need to start reading poetry. <laughs> I know it did make me think of how we have said before that like poets writing memoirs is always really good. Mm -hmm. I read um, How to Say Babylon by Sophia Sinclair last year, which is about she's a poet first and then she wrote a memoir about her life growing up under a very strict Rastafarian father. And I loved it. I was like, this is, I don't know, just the description. I could have read a whole book of just her describing like the plants in Jamaica that she grew up around. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. Poets just have a very different command of language, I think, than um, even novelists. There's this other one, um, basically. She she goes to this ordination um of uh there there's a seminarian living with her parents um while they're living there and he gets ordained and she goes to the ceremony for that or the the church service for it um and she describes the sound of all of the um priests who had just been ordained walking back down the aisle as snakes lingerie <laughs> and that to me is like that's so fanciful but it's you know it's the sound of like something slithering in like fine fabrics or whatever and I just I, I don't know it was just a bunch of stuff like that that I just loved like it was just very exciting <laughs> again to, yeah. to be like ah <laughs> there we go that's something I've never heard before so yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah but um if we want to move on from that because I I did I read a bunch of this while I was at work please nobody tell my boss <laughs> <laughs> so i read it on a on a web browser so i was able to actually highlight stuff because i oh, otherwise yeah. i had like a, a library book version and i wasn't marking anything but so i have a, a ton i could go on with these forever but um but let's talk about how much your dad sucks so the priest daddy of this. Yeah. So one of the things, well, okay, this is kind of actually is a complaint about the whole book. Ooh, uh, but one of the things that I felt reading this book is the feeling of a friend or honestly seeing a TikTok, because I know they're all over the place, of a woman being like, oh gosh, I went away for three days and I came home and the dog peed and pooped all over the carpet because my husband didn't even let him out. Ha ha ha, isn't that funny? And then when somebody says, hey, you should leave him, they're like, no, 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 actually he's the most loving, perfect husband ever and you're just jealous. That's what I started getting from Lockwood, to be honest, because especially towards the end, she's like, oh, he was terrible to us, but he answered the door at 3 a.m., Mm-hmm. for his parishioners and I'm like okay I don't like that's I don't care like he he's homophobic and racist I can't imagine he's actually helping these people forced a girl to give birth instead of helping her get an abortion and then abandon her mm-hmm. what like all of her defense of her dad just didn't feel like enough I guess and there's a way to like talk about a family member like this and ha- and make it clear like why it's sort of confusing to you 
but this to me for me was just not the right way to do it I guess so I read it as a little bit more nuanced than that um just especially with the last chapter in particular when they take her mom to Key West and uh her dad literally does what you describe he literally lets yeah. the house fall apart because she's not there and he seems you know mad that she's gone without him and I think that part is where uh, Lockwood really starts writing like, you know, like he did all of that for other people, but he couldn't. There were certain things that he definitely couldn't and didn't do for us, you know, and I think mm-hmm. I think um, and maybe this is me reading into it and maybe it's me projecting as somebody who had a very um, conservative dad with a lot of bad, shitty ideas who I also love, you know, like mm-hmm. it's. It's a very complicated feeling um, and you don't necessarily know what to do with it because you need the love of that person. I think my dad was not as terrible as her father because, for one thing, my dad did not have as much power over, you know, anybody as her dad did. Um, But but it is a, a weird and really difficult position to try to hold as the child of somebody, you know, like you need the love of that person. And you kind of, in a way, there's times that you idolize them and um, think that they're great. And there's times where they give you the love that you've always wanted and that feels wonderful. But then there's also the times where they like completely fail you. I don't think that my dad necessarily failed me, but we did argue a lot (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. as I got older about things that we disagreed with that I find really difficult to like parse out now you know like I'm glad in some ways that I never had to find out what my dad thought about Donald Trump running for president you know because I'm Mm -hmm. afraid what I would have found out so yeah I don't know I think maybe maybe I just uh resonated with that a little bit more but I agree with you he sucks and it's hard to like read about like oh haha like you know talking about your dad you know spread out so much on the couch that it seems like maybe he's trying to watch the TV with his butt or whatever, you know, which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> like in that line is very funny, but he's, he sucks. <laughs> he hates, yeah. he hates women. <laughs> so. And I think that's, I think actually you brought up a good point. Cause like my parents were also conservative as in like Christian conservative. Um, we went to like uh, one of those very conservative evangelical churches not so much with like what we wore my but my parents were not they took us to that church but they weren't not nearly as bad as other people uh-huh. and so i think part of it honestly might just be my personal like i it's me it's not the book where it's still hard for me to read about men like this uh-huh and find some kind of find something yeah. from it because yeah. I did know men. I don't didn't know any Catholic priests who were married, but you know what I mean? Some who would tell us like, don't you can't wear this or, you know, I, I don't even want to go into it because that's how much I don't want to talk about it or think about it. And I think that there was a little bit of that in this book for me, too, is that I don't always like to look back on that part of my life and those people and Mm -hmm. this kind of made me do it and then also (laughs) presented this person as like yes she was absolutely critical of him but she did present him as like my dad is so cuckoo bananas let's laugh at what all he does and you know it was kind of tough for uh-huh. me. I, I guess that's the thing is I really I didn't read this unbiased. <laughs> I already <laughs> had like a bias going into this. <laughs> yeah. No. And I think that's fair. I do. I think it's fair because th- there were times where I was like, what does she want me to think about this guy? You know? Yeah. But then, you know, towards the end, she she tells him, like, I can only write what you say, you know? So like whatever the image of you that's going to be represented by this it's going to be what you say (laughs) you know so and that's that's what we end up with um and it's yeah I don't know I I can't imagine because like my dad um grew up Catholic uh when I say like I was Catholic both sides of my parent my family are Catholic um my dad had a cousin well two cousins from the same um from the same family. So uh, they were in real life, brother and sister who were priest and a nun. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, those are the closest, like that's the closest I ever really got to knowing a priest uh, or a nun. 
Um, and I can't say I knew them well, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, um, so there were certain things that I thought were funny, like, and that's the closest I would ever get. Like I, there's no, you know, her experience of like actually living like inside of Catholic churches basically <laughs> is, uh, so anomalous. Um, but there are certain things that I thought were funny. Like when we would go to family reunions up on the farm that they lived in, um, uh and and we would see them and like father john had just become a monsignor which is like i don't know super trumped up priest i'm not sure it's not quite a cardinal or whatever (laughs) king priest (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a masters of priesthood sciences i don't know anyway um he he had just become a monsignor and like my uncle and i and everybody kind of just like chased him around calling him monsignor the whole time even though he was like (laughs) he was like very i don't know he was being like modest about it he didn't want to be called monsignor he thought it was you know too boastful i guess and so there there was like a lot of that in some ways where like some of us would like tease about it um and so there there was that that you see where she's like flagrantly not catholic at this point that she returns to the home um and and that was kind of funny and like you know i could see I could see that being like an interesting way to live where you're living there with somebody who's like actively studying to become a priest and you're just like taunting him and making fun of him the whole time. And then also your dad (laughs) being there and being like so irreverent constantly um, and just like gross. (laughs) So I don't know. Those things I thought were kind of funny to read about, but. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, it, and it was. I mean, Catholicism is like a total mystery to me, a lot of it. Like the parts where they were. What a perfect word, by the way. That's very Catholic of you to use the word mystery. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, like just the fact that like you guys can drink it. Mm-hmm. Not you guys. You're not a Catholic anymore. But, you know, <laughs> Catholics can drink is like so bizarre to me because like in my head all of the if you're conservative christian in any way like one of the first things you can't do is drink or smoke yeah yeah and so like the fact that like so those scenes were just like i don't know it's something that i can't it feels like i'm reading some kind of fantasy i'm like i'm like this would be like a pastor getting drunk with his family (laughs) yeah and like assistant pastor and it's it is just wild (laughs) to imagine that it just would never happen (laughs) and I what I should have said at the beginning of that is I was lucky that my dad wasn't that kind of Catholic well my dad didn't go to church as an adult after he and my mom got married Um, they had to take penance because my dad had been married previously and my mom had had a kid out of wedlock so we were you know not the strictest of Catholics but my dad was politically very conservative so that's where my main issue with him came from but he wasn't like my family did not shame about sex or any of that kind of stuff that she gets later um which i should bring up now i guess and so warning one of the things that patricia lockwood first gained a lot of maybe i guess uh literary awareness for was that she published a poem with the all uh, dot com that was titled rape joke um and it it talks about or the poem itself is it's about her experience as a uh, a teenager i think uh, 19 or so um having been raped by a boyfriend a friend mm-hmm. a boyfriend yeah i think it was published at a time when there was a lot of conversations about rape jokes specifically like in comedy etc so um but the the poem is very long and she she talks about her experience afterwards after having been raped um, and going to her parents and basically the discussion of it or them talking to her about it being like, you know, but you didn't have sex before that, did you? And her father forgiving her essentially as though she had come to him in a confession like uh, manner. And I think she feels very complicated about that. And I don't know. I thought that was such a, I don't know that that part like I couldn't stop thinking about <laughs> I don't know this idea that your your dad would would forgive you for it I don't know because she she made it sound like it was maybe a little bit benevolent but also I think maybe there was more complicated feelings about it well that's like one of the things that I remember from my time in the church was the idea that it was actually better to be raped or molested or assaulted in sexually in some way than to choose just to have sex right consensually 
And yeah, that was one of those parts that is sort of like so awful to imagine your parents doing that to you. Mm -hmm. The people who are just supposed to love you, I don't know, and care about you. And then they didn't in that moment. And that was also one of the times where I was just like, I felt so protective over her. I, I was know. like, run, run away. Don't move in with Jason's family. Don't stay there. Please get out. And it's always hard, you know, to read stuff like that where, I mean, I don't know if I would call her parents abusive or not. She doesn't seem to. So I guess I won't. But I don't know. It's just really rough yeah. to read something like that. Well, and I think it's also just incredibly normal in our country specifically, mm -hmm. you know, religion that most people <laughs> uh you know, follow or whatever. I guess maybe it's slightly becoming a minority now. But like, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I know that a lot of my friends' families felt much differently about sex than my parents did. Um, and so mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who felt, yeah, I, you know, when it came to like purity culture and stuff. So I mean, I it's know. also yeah. I, and you're kind of mentioned how sometimes you don't know how she feels about her father. It was kind of confusing. Like, so he's very much like a prude when it comes to sex or other people being nude. But he can be as nude as yeah. he wants in public. Like there's the you brought up the the swimming part when she's going to go off the dive board and she like, okay, I didn't love the way she explained this because I didn't really understand <laughs> it. She's like saying his underwear was trying to get into his spleen. And I'm like, but the spleen is like kind of high. Like what is it going up his butthole? His, yeah, I, is think, it squeezing I think the him? idea like, is that he had like a really big wedgie. <laughs> where is the underwear entering his body through to get to his spleen? Um, but uh, But yeah, I mean, and I think that I don't know. Maybe I, I'm just like a bit of a <laughs> dummy because I think that she was giving hints about these things and showing his hypocrisy, uh -huh. but she never really came out and stated it maybe right. until the end, you know? Yeah. So I think possibly I was just getting like, <laughs> I was like, please say something, you know? And I kind of <laughs> wonder too, because I think she's known for, and I had no idea about this. She goes into it a little bit that she, she had a pretty big Twitter following um, based on like, writing these kind of very poetic goofy jokes um and and so maybe had i known that a little bit more beforehand it would have been more obvious what she was was kind of doing with the book which is like mm -hmm. you know like ha 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 you know <laughs> at all of this but then like laying the groundwork for actually is it kind of sucks <laughs> so yeah i don't know yeah back to something about the humor but i was thinking when i was reading this that i wonder if there's like a cultural difference <laughs> between me and lockwood despite the fact that we're both white women who grew up in the midwest yeah but, millennials. Like, there's this, <laughs> yeah. yeah there's this whole scene of like they her and jason see a rag in the bathroom uh -huh. and like i'm immediately like well, that's a likely place for it to be because yeah. <laughs> people wash with the washcloth. And then it's the whole joke is about how it's shocking or it's gross to see a rag. And then they come to find out their dad is washing his legs with it, which honestly, yeah. one thing, good job, dad, <laughs> to wash your legs. Not everybody does that. But also her mom is buying new washcloths for him yeah. like regularly it's not just like one old rag and so i just i mean i'm laughing about it now but like how gross I was reading could his legs it, have been what kind of rags were these yeah i didn't quite understand the I the was rag like, wait thing. a second what does it look like like tell me what it looks like and then to find i was just like oh i'm not sure where and then i get like bogged down in like <laughs> you know thinking too much about things but as I someone well like i don't i don't know i don't this is a huge conversation you know washcloths i use washcloths a lot as a kid and then at some point along the way washcloths like became disgusting to everybody on earth i think maybe yep they uh, did and there was a point when like everyone stopped using washcloths and then we were all using loofahs like bl blissfully unaware that loofahs are like just bacteria hotels <laughs> for the longest yeah. time 
And now I use washcloths more frequently. I also use them because I have a toddler who I have to bathe all of the time. Um, and, uh, and, and there is one logistical problem with the washcloth, which is like, where do you put it? when you're done yeah because <laughs> i can't we'll just... just throw it down the laundry chute <laughs> and have it get everything else in there sopping wet you know so that they yeah. are kind of gross to just see like piled up in the corner of your shower <laughs> well that's um because <laughs> i also grew up using everybody would get a clean washcloth out of the drawer when you took your shower uh-huh and the thing is, is we lived out in the country. We had to haul our water. So you couldn't do, we couldn't do laundry all the time. Uh -huh. And I know everybody's going to say I'm disgusting, but we would just like hang up our towel and washcloth to no. let it dry yeah. yep. to reuse it. So uh -huh. the bathroom would be full <laughs> of towels <laughs> and washcloths, <laughs> like hanging wherever there was like you know, somewhere where it could hang without being on something else. I think the interesting thing about it is, is this a habit that he picked up like in the 12 years that she, like since she had moved out? <laughs> like, yeah. You would think that I'm maybe. Also, <laughs> I also got stuck on just his legs. I know. <laughs> I don't know if that's why it's humorous. I don't know. Is he only washing his legs? <laughs> He's the opposite of everybody mad on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think all those fights that, about washing your legs. <laughs> I think that no one is talking about this actually does talk about the washing legs yeah. Twitter stuff, if I remember. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it was just like it was one of the things was is when it turned into sort of here's these little anecdotes, there would be stuff that I would find a little bit funny in each one, but then I don't know. Sometimes it just didn't feel like it really went anywhere. Like the whole hunting thing. I it sometimes felt like it was building up to something that was going to be really funny. And then it just sort of like was like, OK. And then we went home. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> okay. That hunting story did have a funny um, line in it about how um, it seemed like her brother was probably going to get killed at a baseball by, some, by a baseball at some point. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. I thought that was so funny. But then there is also the story about how her dad took her brother outside and threw baseballs at him to get him over his fear of baseballs. Yeah. It's like, this guy sucks. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. There are also, she does she does talk about um, the ab abortion issue of it all. Of course, Catholics are like the OG anti-abortion mm -hmm. um, uh, stance. I thought that, those chapters uh I, I can't remember if it was the same one or not where she it is the same one abortion barbie where she is taken to um a protest outside of a clinic as a child she's like five or something i i did find those like really kind of affecting in a way and then in that same chapter her family takes in uh, a young woman and it turns out it was actually two young women. She didn't really remember because she was so young who who were young pregnant women um, and then basically talks them out of getting abortions. And then the thing that killed me is is that basically after the babies were born, they just kind of cut them off and they were gone. <laughs> yeah. And I Which think is, that was I mean... just like such an effective kind of way to explain the whole anti-abortion um, position, which is that the only thing that matters is that the baby's born and then that's it. Yeah. I mean, it, which is kind of where I figured that it would go, you know, mm -hmm. because I think at the one, the one girl's grandmother even called to like yell at them for not helping anything at all. I think I would have, I think a lot of these little anecdotes, if they could have been expanded a little bit more, mm -hmm. I would have liked them because I, I wanted to know a little bit, well, what does Lockwood think about that now? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like she's writing from the perspective of how she felt at that time. I mean, a lot of it's in uh, first or present tense. And it, it, we don't get all, until like the very, very end, we don't get a lot of reflection back yeah on it yeah i i would agree with that i think you know i i, I one criticism that i think I, I read in a review on goodreads was that like a lot of them felt like they maybe had kind of like a punchline which i think is a that's a specific way of writing that's kind of contemporary at the moment where you you have kind of like these long you know, either chapters or they feel a lot like essays. Specifically, this one feels mm -hmm. a lot like an essay. And then it, it just kind of like 
it ends on a, you know, kind of like a either a poignant note or like a kind of like a stinger, right? Like this one is about how Barbie, the word Barbie from Greek means foreign or strange or something like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, like I, I think that's a very particular type of writing that exists a lot right now. Um, and I think, you know, I think maybe people are beginning to fatigue of it. Yeah. Well, right. Which is why I kind of feel okay going in so hard on this because uh-huh. I already know she improved. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, especially towards the end, it felt like she was switching topics so very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. She would talk about one thing and then all of a sudden she's talking about like people who had like kids who she knew had cancer because they grew up next to this. What was it? Uh, airport or military base or something there was a um they had tested produced like nuclear weaponry or something and so there was nuclear waste in their in the the landfill near them which is really compelling yeah but the way it's sort of given to us is i don't know i think some of it kind of felt like she was just like she had too many ideas that Mm -hmm. she wanted to put into this book or maybe thought this is going to be the only book that i maybe can write because i'm a poet but there was like too much of switching around i think one of the most things that i didn't really like is she brings up Daryl, who is a groundskeeper for the church. Yeah. And about how he is constantly verbally abused by his boss, Chuck, and her dad. And then he gets cancer and dies. And it felt really weird. And it even kind of felt like she talks about how it is like what it's like to write about cancer. And she says something like, it's better to be bad than to be glib. And I actually would disagree. I think that... I'd rather people be glib about death than be bad about talking about death and kind of, you know, cringy, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it just felt so, so odd to me. We don't hear like this whole time. When is Daryl working for them? Why? Why wasn't he mentioned before? Like, why all of a sudden now are you bringing up Daryl if this is like an actual memoir and not like a series of essays, like you said. Yeah. Um, it felt odd. And then her excuses felt really odd, too. She was just like, well, we, what does she say? We do what was what is within our power. I mean, did you, though? Yeah. Did you, though? Because, well, like, she's I think like. She talks about how her parents don't go to the funeral. Um, yeah. Because, it, and it was in a, a Baptist church and a different. Um, neighborhood in the neighborhood is deemed to be too bad, you know, like, you know, whatever, uh, not a nice neighborhood. And in my experience, and this is maybe what, where like it differs, the the Catholic priest and nun that I knew, the ones in my family, in a way, like, even though they did what everybody in our Catholic family wanted for everyone, you know, at least my grandparents um, generation mm-hmm. wanted for their children, which was to have a priest and a nun, um, was they were in some ways black sheep. Uh, of our family because they were liberal <laughs> they were progressive um oh, really? they voted democrat the thing that like i didn't buy was that like i believe that they would have gone to that funeral <laughs> you know like a lot yeah. of i think a lot of the catholic priests um i think a lot of the catholic people i know too even probably would have gone to that funeral even if it was in a quote-unquote bad yes. neighborhood <laughs> that's also yeah. what kind of threw me off because i have a very warped idea also of catholics my mom's family is all catholic all very liberal um you know so so knowing then when i got older and found out that actually catholics are anti-abortion and stuff i was like huh like very confused yeah. But yeah, and that's why like a lot of this book, when she talks about growing up and going to those like church camps or whatever, I was like, this sounds more evangelical Christian than it does Catholic to me. Well, I think that's the that's just the weird way that like since the anti-abortion movement really took off and the evangelicals like met up and realized they could like, you know, um, uh, with their powers combined, <laughs> you know, could destroy mm-hmm. our nation. Um, I think that's the way that the Catholic Church in some areas, specific, it, it particularly, has been moving. And I think I have heard Amy Coney Barrett's 
specific breed of Catholicism described as evangelical Catholicism. So, oh, yeah. yeah, there is a I feel like there is an undercurrent of that in particular going on here. But part of me also wondered, oh, I guess I don't know. We maybe are going long. One thing I, I, I just had like such a hard time in a lot of ways of thinking of them as Catholic, um, yeah. partially because the idea of a married Catholic priest is so, so foreign to me. My idea of a priest is like, yeah, they they are, you know, they're they're there at the church. And yes, they live on the church grounds and they, they do services, etc. And sometimes they come out into the community and do things like last rites and, and whatever and blah, blah, blah. But like they're studying all of the time. <laughs> That's like my understanding of it. Like mm-hmm. these are people who devote their lives to religious study um, and, and that sort of thing and often time service um, as an adult when I would encounter my cousins um in the wild they they would come into the bookstore <laughs> um yeah. they sh- they shopped at the bookstore and i would see them and i would talk to them a little bit and they were always buying tons of books like that's what they did is they just read all of the time yeah and they traveled and stuff and maybe the the nun was she might have been a little bit more radical she might have been the type of nun that um Lockwood's dad particularly hated, hated. A f- um, not a feminist <laughs> nun because she was really kind of you know, like, I don't know, she she really took on this like vow. I think that a lot of the family was like uncomfortable with where she like wasn't allowed to see anybody for a long time. And, you know, I don't know. I think I think maybe there was a lot more activism involved in it. But th- anyway, what I'm saying is it's so weird to me. I, I I think maybe because of the way that her father came to Catholicism was so different <laughs> that it didn't necessarily ring to yeah. me as Catholicism. And then, of course, also doesn't ring as a priest because the idea to me that a priest would have a family and have to do all of that family stuff just like doesn't exist. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's that's also probably why I felt such an aversion to her hearing anything about this dad. Because so much of it is so much like so many men I knew growing yeah, up. Yeah. The the guitars, the obsession with hunting. And yeah, you're right. None of that stuff I associate with priests. Like a lot of that priest stuff comes to me via like um, media. Like I'm thinking of the, I think it was like the cousin in Mayor of Easttown, if anybody yeah, yeah, saw yeah. that, who would just come over and hang out with the mom and have a glass of wine, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> not like this sort of hyper masculine type man that's definitely something I associate with somebody who didn't go to seminary just decided to start a backwoods church and claimed he was called by God yeah yeah one uh, one thing I do want to call out too is um that recently there was an episode of you're wrong about I think that was about the exorcist and they talked about how many people converted to Catholicism after the exorcist (laughs) which is (laughs) how her father came to religion in the first place first he became I think a Lutheran um, minister and then he uh he he converted to Catholicism um so there is that and I was like wow that's really timely that I heard this episode of the podcast <laughs> but that's the other actually thing... yeah oh no go ahead I was just gonna say that's I should have said the exorcist first because that is probably my first introduction and I love <laughs> Father Karras in that movie <laughs> The other thing I do want to say is I hope I'm not painting too rosy of a a, a view of the the Catholic Church or priests um, in general. This book does also yeah. delve into um, priests that she knew in the 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 church system where she lived who did terrible terrible awful things. And yeah, I wouldn't want to go without mentioning that because I have actually asked my mom to stop tithing to the church because of those reasons. <laughs> yeah. So I I feel very strongly about that and I want to assure everybody of those. Yes. Um, and I do think that the way she wrote about that was really affecting too because yeah. she talks to people about it and asks them and it's like she describes kind of how she can see she can see them like change. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. it, it's like see them not be the person that she thought they were. Right. In the moment, like the seminarian. How do you say that? Semin- seminarian? Seminarian. Am I saying that right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I never heard that word before in my life. <laughs> Seminary 
the person who is in the seminary seminarian <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah she she talks to these people and, and then she realizes like so much of that i think was creepy to the way she real will remember like oh this elderly priest who always what of it one of them always had her brother sit on his lap yeah and then what she finds out what this priest does later on it's like it's so just i mean it's heartbreaking and also terrifying those chapters really yeah yeah they were really difficult and again speaking personally like there was a he may have been a seminarian actually but he was uh there was a priest who was visiting our church for i don't know over a year or something later many years later i came to find out through the news specifically had um abused two girls they were sisters from my church and i think i might have known who those girls were and they were very close people to my family and i never heard about it from anybody except for the news so like yeah it's just a thing that like people don't talk about and i i don't you know i don't expect any victims or anything like that to be out and about and needing to tell their story to everybody because i don't think that's fair to people who deserve privacy but it is just one of those things where like this is something that people don't talk about in the Catholic Church. We really don't. And I remember before that, pre prior to that, when the stuff in Boston, you know, happened, mm-hmm. the way that people in my church spoke about it, which was mostly to write it all off. <laughs> it's like not really an issue or not really a thing. Or maybe those kids were lying or whatever it happened to be. Like all yeah. of these things. I mean, and I know it's difficult um, because like people put their literally their faith, <laughs> their hopes for um, everything in their lives and in, into the churches and into their faith and stuff. And I, I think like it's probably got to be earth shattering, but it really bums me out that it didn't radicalize people the way that I wish it would have. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it, it that is. was I mean, just a there was yeah. a specific <laughs> chapter in there that was absolutely devastating. And I felt so heavy while reading it I just it it really she does do a really good job to me of like I mean obviously I don't haven't known any priests but when you know somebody and then they end up doing a really really horrible like criminal go to prison thing yeah but you didn't know them as that it feels even if you don't know them well it truly feels like something like what is like you question everything yeah about how you react to anyone because you didn't see it yeah. And she does that chapter, I think. Yeah, it was hard to read because of the subject matter. But she that was probably for me, like one of the best chapters. Yeah. Yeah. In anyway. terms of writing. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I liked it. Becca liked it, but didn't like it. And yeah. Yeah. Let us know Listen. if you've read Priest Laddie. Daddy. Priest Laddie. <laughs> Priest Laddie. <laughs> Well, it's a laddie who's a priest. <laughs> does, does the Pope allow that? Pope Francis would allow that. <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were going to say, listen. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say what mine is, again, it's a personal problem. So yeah. my no, review whatever. is not meant to be like an actual review. It's just my opinion. <laughs> no, it is an actual review. I think it's, I mean, it's helpful <laughs> for people to know the reasons why it didn't resonate yeah. with you. And if that you know might be their feelings too you know it's important to know this is a thing about you know the arguments on goodreads and and tiktok and book talk and whatever is like i think that you know critical reviews are as important if not more important than positive ones so yeah yeah (laughs) so read this or if you read the first chapter and you don't find it funny read no one is talking about this yeah I'm going to read and you it. you might find so. that funny. Yeah. And I literally was looking up buying her poetry because I was like, maybe I'm going to like this. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> but thanks for listening to the bookstore. If you would like to support the podcast beyond listening, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash the bookstore or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And thank you again to Tiana, our newest patron. Yes, thank you. You can find all the ways to contact us at thebookstorepodcast.com. Our next book discussion will be My Garden by Jamaica Kincaid. You can find it at your local bookstore, maybe, or library, probably, and read along with us. 
The Bookstore is a production of Awkwardly Social Media, produced by Becca Young and Corinne Keener. Technical and production support is provided by Josh Bourdon and Zach Tice. And John, if you're out there, thanks for listening. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.